Super Talk Mississippi media production. Kickstart your adventure now with a new Gud Golf Cart from Country Carts of Brookhaven. Gud Golf Carts are assembled right here in Mississippi with the best features around. And best of all, they're street legal. Country Carts of Brookhaven, 401 Highway 51 South, phone 601-748-0454. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. It's Black Friday at Coastal Mississippi. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving and uh, people are in their cars shopping and doing all that. I, I actually hope they're in their car because that means they're shopping local and not uh, spending all their time on Amazon or any of the other sites there are, as I've said so many times, when you spend your money locally, you're actually casting a vote for the kind of community you want. And one of the main reasons that Coastal Mississippi has done so well economically is we have a a thriving small business community that especially this time of year needs your support. There's a lot of creative gifts out there. Uh, so, so go to you know one of the many wonderful communities here along coastal Mississippi that make coastal Mississippi such a great place, and spend some money and buy unique gifts and buy some uh, some uh, gift certificates for the great restaurants. You know the you know the drill. So anyway, I hope you had a great great Thanksgiving. So it's Friday. This is the day we have uh, Jeff Dunn.com and the Times picking in, and we'll go ahead and pull him in and say good morning. How you doing, Jeff? Good morning, Ricky. Uh, happy. Belated Thanksgiving. Hope everybody had a great holiday out there. Yes, listen, I had Nikki Moon from the from Bay St. Louis on this week, and Nikki is uh, is terrific, and she talked about all the changes that there are not changes, but the exciting downtown developments that are happening in um, in uh, Bay St. Louis, and I mean it's going to boy they have a they're all in on making it very holiday feel, creating a holiday feel, making it very festive. So you'll be enjoying that. Just kind of your, your second favorite city, (laughs) but outside of New Orleans, that's for sure, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's the perfect time of year to do that. Right. I mean, they got that great little downtown area, little entertainment district. It's perfect kind of place to, you know, look at a lot of my friends, take uh, weekends over in Bay St. Louis and spend the weekends over there uh, from New Orleans because it's such a convenient day trip over to that mm. great little city on the coast. Listen, you and I talked last week. We'll come to the Saints here in just a second. We'll spend more time on the Saints this year than we, I mean, this week than we did last week. But the Pelicans, man, continue to be a team that inspires. I mean, they, again, on the court and off the court, this this they've built something special here. It's going to be really interesting as we get down the stretch with this team, isn't it? Yeah, look, I think it's a six-game homestand they had. They really needed to take advantage of that because they started the season with a lot of road games. And uh, look, the home court advantage is alive and well in New Orleans. They played very well there. They get they obviously have Zion back now. That's a huge factor in their development. But I think they're starting to figure out the rotations, the substitution patterns now that they've got a little more stability in the lineup. And you can see some of these bench players. Obviously, we all know about Jose Alvarado, but Larry Nance Jr., the emergence of Trey Murphy. I mean, some other players emerging now. And that they're going to have to have that, Ricky, because there's going to be some injuries along the way. But you have to have depth as well to go with their starters. And that hasn't been the case in previous Pelicans teams. And it certainly is a, a, a I think it's a big advantage for them this year. 
They play as well as a team. They're super aggressive. I saw a nice little montage. I guess it might have been on the Pelican side of this uh, hiding in the corner and then go steal the ball yeah. routine that's going on there. Of course, they, I'm sure they're going. Other teams are going to figure that out. But it's amazing that in the NBA something like that can happen. Tell people what I'm talking about. Well, they, they refer to it as Grand Theft Alvarado, which is play <laughs> off the, the video game Grand Theft Auto. It's kind of his trademark move where he kind of hides along the baseline and take just takes advantage of an NBA game with so much going on and people losing focus, the opponent losing focus, and he sneaks up behind them and makes a steal, and those are momentum plays, and he's the king of it. I love that he does that. It shows you just how intense he is, how he doesn't take plays off, and his attention to detail in every possession is important. If he can steal one possession like that and get a basket like he did the other night, uh, it creates a quick four-point swing and uh, can change a game. So interesting. Listen, uh, it's it been so effective out it. Other teams are going to probably put somebody on him during that it's time. It really changes the flow of the game. Ricky's been doing it for two years now. People are. <laughs> you know? So it's not like it just happened. I mean, he was doing that all last year and, and he caught Chris Paul with it last year in the playoffs. So, you know, one of the great point guards in NBA history, it's just an amazing move. And I love it. It's one of the reasons why Alvarado's become such a cult hero in the city because people love his energy his enthusiasm, and the guy just brings it every night. He's not the only one, but, but what I would encourage you to do, if you're not – like, I'm not really a big NBA guy. I'm just not. But I have watched closely the Pelicans uh, in this collection of, you know, new guys, young guys with with this, this great leadership and some seasoned experience and bringing them together and the way they've molded them together – uh, go to NOLA.com, Pelicans uh, coverage. You'll be glad you did. Follow them. And follow them on Instagram and on Facebook or however else you might do it from a social media point of view to get a sense of the, the, this, the life that occurs around this team when they're not on the court. And it just it, it, will, it will suck you in. There's something special about this team. And uh, it, it will be interesting to watch them as they go forward. Listen, uh, I say this all the time, but NOLA.com, the Times Picayune Saints Daily Newsletter is absolutely incredible. Uh, when you sat down, you did the one this morning. When you sit down to do the review that goes out as part of that newsletter with all the attachments of the stories that you guys are doing, you have to be at week in and week out just blown away by your team and how deep their coverage is of the Saints. Yeah, it's wall to wall. I mean, there's no story too small. Sometimes in our meetings, Ricky, I'm like, is that really a story? Uh, it seems kind of meager, but. As you know, Saints fans are passionate. We have, I think, probably one of the most passionate fan bases in the whole country. Football is so important here, and uh, we deliver. I mean, uh, it, it, tomorrow will be even bigger. I mean, as the game gets closer each each day, we have even more coverage leading up. And this is a big game this week. The 49ers is long history in that rivalry back when they were division rivals. When I, when I first started covering the Saints in 2000, the Saints and 49ers were in the same division, the NFC West. They played each other twice a year. So there's a lot of history in this rivalry for us to document. Yeah, and you know, the other thing is that uh, sports betting is a big deal now. And uh, NOLA.com has gone all in on giving sports gu betting guidance. And you, you guys have built a great team around that. I thought I think Jim Derry is doing a great job with yes. Datitude and – you know, for people who don't know about that that podcast, you can watch it uh, on Facebook. I'm assuming maybe it's on YouTube. But anyway, the bottom line is it's a great, you know, video podcast. 
You've, you, in fact, did it with him this morning, and it's live. So there's a lot of content there people can really – you really uh, latch hold of, and if you're not if you're not in, in engaging, I would strongly encourage you to do that. And what's cool about it is that they don't ask me to do this. I mean, Je- right. I've known Jeff for many years. Our Jeff Jeff knows that this this region is important to the Saints. It's important to Nola.com and the Times Picayune. But I, I bring the, I bring this additional sort of focus to their team just because they're doing such a great job, and I'm a I'm someone who reads all of what they have to say, and uh, and I really want to encourage other people to do that as well. So, anyway, let's get sit, listen. Uh, the Saints won against Los Angeles. There's been a lot of hype after this because they they're using they're using a quarterback rotation a little bit more aggressively. They're getting more creative in their calling. Um, they seem to have a winning attitude, but you said to me during the break, don't get too excited that they beat a, a, a sort of a floundering Rams team. The the next couple of games coming up are where we're going to find out if the adjustments they're making really make a difference. Well, look, they go to San Francisco this week, who I think is one of the leading contenders to make the Super Bowl out of the NFC. And then they go to Tampa after that. So I think the way you have to look at it if you're a Saints fan is – just get one of those two games. Preferably, you'd want the Bucks game because it's obviously a division opponent. You pick up two games there, but they've got to win one of them. They can't go to, they can't be five and, you know, four and nine going into the last part of the season. So this is a litmus test. I mean, this is a very physical 49ers team, and they will challenge the Saints much more uh, dramatically than than the Rams. The Rams were beat up. Their, their offensive line is really, I mean, we, we talk about the Saints' offensive line issues. They're starting four undrafted free agents on the offensive line. They, they can't move the ball against anybody. So, uh, you know, it's hard for me to get too excited. That's what the Saints should have done. I, when, when I watched that game, I was like, this is what, and so that's encouraging. They, they didn't make mistakes. They put away a bad opponent that's playing out the string, kind of a, hun- uh, a hangover from the Super Bowl. Um, but this is going to be a much sterner test and a much better indication of how good the Saints are. Well, one of the things, and and we'll continue this on the other side, but one of the things that is very clear that when Andy Dalton gets in his like whatever that whatever that place is, if you give him a little bit of time and you and you let him get rid of that ball quick quicker than he's done in the past, he can. He's a very accurate passer. Yes. And, um, you know, some guys are really stepping up on the team and he's getting a little bit better protection. That's good to see, isn't it? Yeah, you're, you're spot on with that analysis. you got to give him time. If he gets time, he can make plays. And that's been the challenge all along. Can the Saints give him time with their banged-up offensive line? Good news is they might get some help back this week to help along that offensive front. So, uh, look, encouraging news the way the offense kind of remade itself against the Rams this week. Yeah, it's really cool, and you see them using Taysom Hill more more frequently, and Dalton doesn't seem to have a problem with that. They, he, he sees that as a winning uh, combination. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about Taysom Hill. We'll talk about these parts and pieces that have been injured for the Saints and are some of the key players coming back. We've actually had some stars emerge on defense uh, as a result of some of these injuries, and that actually bodes well for the future, especially in the secondary. We'll see you after this break. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. 
This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I have my friend Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times Picayune. He's a sports specialist in so many different rounds, but he's written the book, literally many books, on the Saints. He's a great guy to be able to touch base with. But listen, I was laughing during the break because. Every time I make an observation as sort of a super fan about some something I like about the team, he's like like the uh, the realist, bring me back down to earth columnist that he is to say he they were going against one of the one of the be- most beat up offensive lines they had, so don't get too excited. So he's good about doing that. That's why he gets paid to do what he's doing, and I'm not a I'm not a, a columnist, but you've been doing that a lot, I bet, haven't you, Jeff? Well, look, I mean, one of the things I love about living in New Orleans and Louisiana is the passion of people and the fan base is so passionate. But it tends to be a lot like what Sean Payton <laughs> said, you know, the roller coaster ride of emotions. Uh, you know, I think he had that great line from Bill Parcells every weekend is either a crisis or a carnival. And last, <laughs> I, I try to stay in the middle, you know, but this week it's all a carnival. They beat the Rams and, you know, the defending champs. But uh, I think it's going to be a little bit more of a reality check this week against the Niners. Just like the crisis after the, the Steelers game wasn't quite as bad as it looked, this this week's not quite as good as it looked. Yeah, that's, that's really good. So we were talking about Andy Dalton sort of being – I mean, he had a really he had a record game. I mean, in, in so many respects, for him as an individual performance, it was really, really, really good. And that's even with Taysom Hill coming in and playing uh, a, quite a number more plays than he typically would. What's interesting to me because Taysom Taysom will never be a starting quarterback. You've made that clear some, somewhere along the way. But the reality is, at the age of thirty-two, he's still super talented. He's hard to stop, and the fact that he can still throw the ball, and that's the threat, the, the the fact that he might still throw the ball. They can't just pack the line and think they're going to stop this guy. Teams really don't have a, um, uh, a way of defending Taysom Hill, do they? Well, that's what Sean Payton said earlier in the week. I don't know if you heard that, but he talked about how he's much more effective when he's in the quarterback role than he is in tight end because it creates a numbers game with the defense they have to account now for a quarterback that they don't normally account for. When Andy Dalton's there, you don't have to worry about him as a running threat. And suddenly it opens up things downfield. We saw them run that play. They're talking about creative game planning. They ran the exact play the Ravens used against the Saints to score a touchdown with Lamar Jackson, where he ran. It was the exact same spot on the field in the Superdome where they they rolled the quarterback out and then he threw a pass. And unfortunately, Taysom was trying to get his hands on the seams of the ball and disrupted the timing. He didn't get the ball out quick enough, and it ended up being an incompletion. But the point is, it was wide open because the defense was worried about Hill running the ball, just like the Saints were worried about Lamar Jackson running, and it left a guy wide open in the end zone. That's the advantage you have by having him in the game. It creates a lot of things downfield in the passing game. And so I think the Saints have realized that, and they're going to go to that more often. But to do that, Ricky, they really do have to kind of maintain uh, a lead in the game or be in the game. They can't get down like they've been in the future in the past and try to play catch-up. That's just not the way I think this, this offense is going to work best. Yeah, you, you still got to have a running game. You still, you know, you still got to protect your passer. You still – they've got to play the basics – and uh, th- those are all critical, which also means the defense has got to do their 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 part too. Um, 
Any other observations about about the running game? You said we're you know we're getting some components back on the offensive line. Why don't you kind of give us an update on what what do you think the starters are going to be going into this next game? Well, look, Andres Pete was back last week. He was active for the game. He just didn't play. He was kind of an emergency backup, but he was in full gear. That's a really positive sign. So I would expect him to play. If he was that close to playing last week, I think he'll play this week, and that'll help that offensive line. I don't know if Trevor Penning, the rookie. Left tackle will be available for this game, but he is on the mend, and I expect him back soon, and that will help. Uh, you know, I thought Landon Young acquitted himself pretty well, but, man, it, it's a big step up in class this week. And Nick Bosa, that 49ers front. I mean, the, the 49ers lead the league in defense, total defense. They lead the league in run defense. It's going to be tough sledding trying to run the ball on this 49ers front, and that means Andy Dalton's going to have to have another big game because I don't think they're going to be successful running the ball. They weren't very successful running it with uh, Alvin Kamara last week. Most of the runs that they had that were successful against the Rams were when Taysom Hill was at quarterback, and that also opened up some things for Kamara in the run game. But just the traditional Andy Dalton handing off to Kamara did not work very well, and I'll be surprised if it does this this week as well. Two quick observations. Trevor Penning, I saw a video of him on uh, the Saints website um, coming into practice and he was walking near some other players. And the thing that I've noticed, and you said this before, but man, he is a hulk of a human being. I mean, he's just a large man. He's Um, like a Zach Streif, but as Zach said, instead of being like a refrigerator, he's more like a (laughs) V-shape. He's actually a very athletic Zach Streif. What a stud. And you know what? The other thing is that the receiver play just in general, the number of receivers that Andy Dalton is throwing to has been better. They've been catching the ball. You know, young guys are emerging. It's, that's good to see. Yeah, my commentary this week for Fox 8 was about this exact theme, and that is, look, it's been kind of a disappointing season, but there's some silver lining here. There's a lot of young players emerging. Jawan Johnson has emerged at tight end. He's scored five touchdowns in the last five games. He's a He's a go-to threat in the red zone now, kind of replacing what Mike Thomas did for the offense. And then defensively, you've got young guys like Caden Ellis, uh, you know, Carl Granderson. We know Alante Taylor. Uh, some guys stepping into bigger roles and performing. I mean, Caden Ellis is suddenly a very big factor in the pass rush, along with, uh, you know, Demario Davis. They're two of the leading sackers on the team. And that's something I don't think the Saints started the season thinking they would do because I think they were going to lean on that front four, hasn't panned out, and credit to the coaching staff, they've started blitzing a little more with their linebackers, and and it's worked out. It's really incredible the way that they've uh, called that play more often. And, you know, when when, uh, Pete Werner went down, Caden Ellis coming in, uh, you know, Werner was having a good year. You wonder, is there going to be a step down there? And there hasn't really been. I mean, they've... That's been good to see. And Alante Taylor, we've talked about him many, many times, but boy, has that kid stepped up. It's been awesome to see that, hasn't it? Yeah, him and Paulson Debo, uh, you know, second-year player and a rookie starting at corners right now with Marshawn Lattimore out. Uh, now, they're going to get challenged this week much more. I mean, without Cooper Cup, the Rams receiving core is pretty limited. I know they got that one big explosive play, but then they also lost Matthew Stafford. So that was another thing. Uh, you know, they, they lost their starting quarterback. This week's going to be a big challenge with Debo Samuel, uh, Brandon Ayuk, I mean, Christian McCaffrey at running back, George Kittle at tight end. I mean, they, these guys got weapons everywhere. And their offensive line, Ricky, 
I just saw a stat this morning. Four of their five starting offensive linemen have not allowed a sack all year. So it's going to be difficult to, to have as much success holding down San Francisco as it was against that battered Rams team. I wonder what this, you know, you, you, you know the team, the, the psyche of the team, because of the injuries and the losses and all that, you see them up right now. I wonder if the team is intimidated by the, the talent that they're going to face in San Francisco or if they are getting a little swagger about them and they feel like they can, they can go do it. What's your thoughts on how that, how that matchup affects them mentally? I don't think professional athletes you know, get very intimidated. I mean, that was one of the themes after the Rams game was how well they blocked Aaron Donald, who's arguably one of the greatest defensive players to ever play the game. They had a great plan for him, really kind of kept him in check. But I do think you hit on a very important topic, and that is the swagger. This team has to have that going to San Francisco. They cannot go in intimidated. They have to come and play very aggressively the way they did against the Rams, attack on both sides of the ball. That's the way the Saints have been at their best. We haven't seen enough of that this year, and I think we saw some of that against the Rams, and it was really refreshing to see. Are you disappointed with Honey Badger play? No, not really. I think he's playing fine. I mean, he hasn't made as many big plays as we like, but I mean, heck, he's got, I think, the only two interceptions on the whole team. Uh, you know, this team doesn't intercept the ball a lot in some ways because of the scheme they run. They run a lot of man-to-man, so their backs are to the ball, the, the corners. So that leads to the lack of interceptions. But the fact is, you expect more de- deflected balls, batted balls that might end up in the, the, the interceptor's hands, and we haven't seen enough of that. They're going to have to get some turnovers this week, I think, to have a chance, because I don't see them marching 70, 80 yards against this defense with the Saints offense right now. It's too limited. So bottom line on uh, Marshawn Lattimore, you and I talked about sort of the mystery injury. Might might have been something to do with his kidney or whatever, but um, we're getting close to getting him back maybe, huh? Yeah, well, it's, it's hard to get a read on those tea leaves, but talking to people, you know, some of my sources, it sounds encouraging. Now, whether he's back this week or not, I don't know, but I'm hearing – Good progress. And there's been some times, Ricky, where I've talked to people, they say they don't know if he's even going to play again this season. So he's hearing a little more positive news on that front. And that would be big to get him back, especially in time for the Bucks game uh, next week. I've meant to mention this, though, but and it's worthy of noting our first round draft pick, our our uh, wide receiver. My goodness, dude! Is he having a good year? Yeah, could be the could be the second offensive rookie of the year in the history of the franchise, uh, joining Alvin Kamara. And I think he's the front runner right now, and he's been way better than I even expected as a rookie. And if they didn't have him, considering the injury to Mike Thomas, so they'd really be in trouble. But he has made a seamless transition. It's it's a testament to the Ohio State program and how easy it was for him to adapt to the NFL game. Quick learner, smart kid, amazing hands, fast as lightning. It's great to see somebody like that on this team. Anyway, Jeff Duncan's been great, buddy. We'll look forward to talking to you after this game, and hopefully the Saints can pull one off. We'll see you soon. Thank you, man. All right. Thanks, Ricky. Talk to you next week. Hey, when we come back, we'll continue the conversation. We'll see you after this. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.